go to the word today, Hebrews 11, 17, and 18. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. When you have your Bibles, uh, we can go ahead and proceed. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The word of God reads, it says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was already, was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. I want to speak to you today from the title, Holding On to the Lord Alone. Holding On to the Lord Alone. Amen. The season that I am in right now is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. Um, The Word of God says to pray without ceasing. Amen. But have you ever gone through something where... You didn't have a choice but to do that. (laughs) You didn't have a choice but to stay in prayer because you felt like your very life depended on you staying connected to God. Your very sanity, amen, depended on you staying in prayer with God, amen. Your heart was struggling and your situation looked bleak and you just didn't know how you were going to make it. But you, you had to stay in prayer, not because God suggested it. <laughs> not because someone told you to pray without ceasing, because you had no choice. Amen? The amount of pain and rejection that we can experience, the emotional torment that I am personally in right now, and I'm sure that some of you are in, is now something that we, you know, don't really have a frame of reference for. It is what it is. It seems to me that God has me in a season of some kind of do-over season, you know, where everything that I thought that I could depend on seems to be very shaky and very uncertain. There are places and things and institutions and places of hope or places that I put my foot down on and before and I felt kind of sure there are people that I depend on you know they had you know folks that I've come to have some degree of faith and trust in over time these things for me have suddenly changed I've been told over and over again by some of the leaders that I need to preach through this season I need to preach through what I'm going through because there's a good chance that I'm not alone. Amen? There's a good chance that there's someone out here who's going through like I'm going through. Can I get a witness? Amen? There are some people that can relate to hard times and struggles and times of uncertainty. So the question is, is, Do we trust God when God decides to turn the heat up? 
when God decides he's going to allow the heat to get turned up seven times hotter than normal. (laughs) Do we trust the Lord in those moments? Well, let's look at this passage and give some context to this Hebrews passage in Hebrews 11. This is called the wall of faith, this chapter. And in this chapter, you see very various people who have trusted the Lord and have allowed uh, him to test them. Amen. And during that time of testing, they trusted the Lord in spite of what they were seeing. Amen. Hebrews eleven seventeen and 18 says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Amen. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants would be counted. Let me say this to you. Test don't come to lead you into sin. God's test do not come to lead you into sin. God will never lead you in to sin. Amen. That is not his way. Amen. But tests will come from God to prove or test the genuineness of your faith and the strength of your faith. Amen? So here's the thing. Abraham was rich beyond measure. Abraham had land and possessions, flocks and herds, servants to take care of everything that he had. But there's a key point that I want you to remember. When God told Abraham to leave the land of Ur, where he was, and to go into a land that God would show him, Abraham showed faith by obeying God. But he never said to God, God, I will go with you if you give me a bunch of stuff first. He never said, give me a bunch of stuff and a bunch of servants to take care of my stuff, and then I'll trust you to go to this place. However, we do know that God Um, provided for Abraham and then Abraham asked God the Father for something very specific. And I want us to look at that so we can get a good context of what we're seeing here in Hebrews 11, 17 and 18 to see why some biblical scholars call this particular passage or this verse in Hebrews 11 the test of all tests. The ultimate test. If you want to know what it looks like when God tests you with the ultimate test, look at this test with Abraham. Let's go back to Genesis 15, 1 through 6, and I'll just read it very briefly. Genesis 15, 1 through 6. The word of God reads, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and I And I will reward you, or your reward will be great. Do not be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, 
What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you, have, you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord said, or took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now here's an interesting point. If we look at verse two again, just the beginning of it, of this passage, we see that Abram said to God, what good are all of your blessings <laughs> if I don't even have a son? God has been faithful and he has supplied us with all our needs. But sometimes in our heart, we could look at God and say, you know, this is good, but something's missing, God. Who am I without what I think is most important? I mean, I'm not taking away everything that you've done, Lord. But there's one thing I think you've missed. Now, who am I, God? And what good are your blessings if I don't have whatever that thing is that you think it is? For some people, it may be a son. For other people, it may be something else. Amen? And I will say to you that right here, in this verse, verse 2, we see a heart attitude that I believe that God had to correct the neighbor. And I would say to you that whatever the thing that you feel is the most important to you, if it's not God himself, that is the very thing God will test you with. Did you get that? Genesis 15 and 1. Give me the King James this time. Same passage. But just look at this Slightly different translation. I think that kind of gives us a key into what God was really after. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, underline this, I am thy shield and thy exceeding reward. Do you see the difference? The living translation said, I will reward you. I am your protection and I will reward you. The King James here says, I am your shield, comma, <laughs> and your exceeding reward. You see it? I am your protection, Abram. And I am your great reward. That sounds a little different than, oh yeah, and I'm going to reward you. You see the difference? Okay, I believe that there's a treasure here in this verse and in this translation that we need to look at. Your identity and your success in life cannot be wrapped in what you get from God. It must be wrapped up in God himself. 
Amen? And I believe every believer is going to have to deal with that. You're not going to get around it. Trust me, I know. Amen? Here's the identity issue. Abraham wanted a son. He was blessed by God with a lot of stuff. He was rich beyond measure. Amen? But he felt like he was incomplete if he didn't have an heir. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. God didn't have a problem with him having an heir. <laughs> In fact, God wanted and desired that Abram, which would name later on be Abraham, would have a son. God wanted to give him a son, but God wanted to give Abram a son in his own time. Are you hearing me? God knows the right time to bless you with even the things that you desire that are still in his will. But he will guarantee that that blessing that he gives you does not get into his spot. Are you hearing me? So, back to Hebrews 11 and 17. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was, keyword, testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. Amen? Ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. I'll say it again. Whatever that thing is that you feel is most important to you, if it's not God himself, this is the very thing he will test you with. This is the very thing he will test you with. Abraham was tested, notice, after he received what he prayed for. Interesting. There was a test for him that was testing his heart for God. Abraham responded, how? By laying his prayer request on an altar. God, I, I, it, this is great, but what, you know what I really, really want? I want a son. I want an heir. And when God required it of Abraham, he took his son and laid him on the altar. How do we respond when God allows us to have what we've asked for and then takes it away or requires it of us? How do we respond? Somebody's saying, wow. <laughs> this is hitting me hard. Think about it this way. David had uh, a son or a child, or was about, was, he had a child, yes, with Bathsheba, right? And he prayed that God would spare that child's life all night long. And the prophet said, no, the baby's not going to make it. David prayed anyway. God took that baby. How did David respond? He worshiped the Lord. Woo. Job had everything. Had a whole family. Was selected by God to be tested. In one day, Job lost the stock market. <laughs> lost his job, lost his vehicles, lost his animals. And then lost every last one of his children. My goodness. And Job responded, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Woo. Here's the question. 
Does your identity depend on God giving you what you really want? Hmm? I have this or I have that. I own this or I own that. I'm a part of this elite group of people. I'm in this tax bracket. I have this many children. My children are doing well. My children are not on drugs. Huh? I'm married to this person or that person. I work for this institution. My retirement looks good. Huh? I'm headed to vacation. Huh? When you are in God and God suddenly decides that all those things that you have, you no longer have. When he says, and now you have none of those things. What is our response? I want to tell you, saints, that's where, that's where your pastor is this morning. I am recognizing, wait a minute. Naked, I came in here. <laughs> and if God wants to take some of the dearest things that I, I, I prayed for, after he gave them to me, if he requires it, what is my response? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, let's just go back to Hebrews eleven seventeen again. Stay there. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham had, who had received God's promises, your posterity, your children will be as numerous as the stars. You know, if you can count the stars, that's how many children you're going to have. Abraham believes God. He receives that promise and he was ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. And in verse 18 says, even though God told him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So he's laying his son on the altar. And the only way he's going to have his promises is his son. Are you hearing me? So let's just put this into, the, you know, in today's time. Can you imagine going to the gun store? You purchase the gun. You purchase the bullets. You say, come on, son, let's go home now. You pull into the garage. Walk up the stairs. Son, sit down at the table. You take out the gun. You start loading the gun with bullets. You take the gun. You put the gun to your son's head to make sure you cannot miss. You put your finger on the trigger and God says, wait! Now I know that you put nothing before me. Does that paint a picture for you yet? I don't know another test like that. That's the ultimate test. So here's the thought, saints. This is the thing that hit me. Abraham didn't just have faith in God for what he wanted. He's about to sacrifice his son. So obviously he's into God for something way more. Way bigger. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a connection with God that goes beyond 
God giving him even what God promised him. And allowed him to have. Now, here's the thing. Over time, God does something in the heart of the believers. And this is what I'm learning now. Where he takes the desires that we have and allows us to have them and then shows us how superior he is compared to the things we've asked him for. I don't know if you got that. He shows the believer, yes, this is what I want you to have. Yes, you prayed for that. And over time, I'm going to show you that I'm superior to even that. Mm. And sometimes those very things that we've asked for will become the test of our faith to find out whether or not we are holding on to God for the things or we're holding on to God alone. Proverbs 17 and 3, almost done. Proverbs 17 and 3. Proverbs 17 and 3. The word of God reads, fire tests the purity of silver and gold. But the Lord tests the heart. Fire tests the purity of silver and gold. But the Lord tests the heart. And in Job 23 and 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. When he tests you and turns the heat up and burns off everything in you that is not like him, you shall come forth as pure gold. But notice he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. God knows his children. He knows where we're all headed. That is true. But God also knows that his children tend to take detours, (laughs) pit stops. We get off track, amen? But God's plan is so foolproof that he even considers my mistakes. Are you hearing me? He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me and tested me, I shall come forth as pure gold. In spite of all of my mess ups, in spite of everything that you've gone through and everything you've done, everything that he knew that you would get into, God is able to guarantee your way home. In spite of everything you've done, God is guaranteeing your way out. In spite of whatever you've done, God is guaranteeing your transformation and how you're going to learn from what's going on and what you're doing. He's taking you through. He knows that, you know, the straight way is the, straight, is the fastest way. But you and I, uh, come on now. He knows the way that we take. And even with that, when you're tested, God is showing us whether or not, whether or not we're going to hold on to him 
or hold on to the other things that we think that are so much bigger than him. But here's the thing, saints. The guarantee is this, that even after you mess up, even after you blow it, and one, one thing that Satan does is he tries to pile up guilt <laughs> on top of guilt and say, how, look, how, look how far off the road you are. Look how much you've messed up. And he tries that to bring separation between you and God. So that you don't, you don't end up holding on to God when you're messed up. I blew it. I, I, I didn't do what was right. So Satan comes in here and tries to say, listen, listen how much you messed up. Look how, look how big a mistake you made. But to hear the thing, saints, that's the time when we need to come back to God. Even though we've blown it, that's the time when God is saying, I'm still here. <laughs> I know the way you were going to take a long time ago. You're not, you haven't surprised me. So what I've done is I've put boundaries around all your mistakes. I fixed you in. And I allowed you to think you have all this freedom. <laughs> but the truth is, is God is guaranteeing those that belong to him. He's guaranteeing, I'm going to bring you out of this. I'm going to bring you home. You're going to make it. It doesn't matter how big your mistake is. It's not bigger than my love. Oh, my goodness. It's not bigger than my love. Hebrews 4. 4 and 13. Hebrews 4 and 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Here's the thing, saints. When God called Abraham, he knew what was in his heart. When God called you and I, he knew what was in our heart. He knew that we would stray. He knew that we would have the wrong focus in some time, you know, some areas, right? He knew that we would trade his, 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 we would trade putting him or making him first in our lives for other things. He knew that. He knew that. We can't see our hearts. He can. God sees hearts, people. <laughs> are, you, are you taking that in? I could think that you're the best person in the world. Yeah, and God could be like, don't trust that one. That one's a little devil. <laughs> you just on a date. I had a good time. <laughs> you're so nice. Just dating devils. <laughs> God sees the heart. Which means, saints that there's a good chance that I cannot see what he sees. Mm. Okay? And what we can't see, since God loves us, is what God is working on. Are you hearing me? The very things that we can't see that are out of order, that's the thing that God is working on. All right. Here we go. Holding on to God alone. So let me just take you through a little trip real quick and I'll be done. Matthew 26, 33. Matthew 26 and 33. Peter declared, he's talking to Jesus. And 
Jesus kind of poses a couple of questions to them to challenge them. And Peter says this out of his mouth. Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Nope. I'm I'm the one that's going to stick by your side. I got your back, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Okay. You know the story. Jesus gets called into trial. Everybody starts running, including Peter. They're beating Jesus. They're spitting on Jesus. They're persecuting Jesus, slapping Jesus, slapping God. Imagine that. It's looking bad from a human human perspective. It's looking bad for Jesus, right? And the test for Peter is one of identity. Are we going to identify with Jesus when things are not going our way? Are we going to hold on to Jesus when things are looking like things are going south? Hmm? When things are looking bad. It got so interesting that Peter is standing outside trying to blend in with everybody else. (laughs) You know how we do. I'm going to go in this club as a Christian to see if I can sneak in and nobody notice. (laughs) And a little girl walks up to him. Hey! I know you. (laughs) You are with Jesus. Peter denies him. Happens again. Hey, you're one of the disciples. Now it's starting to get clear. It's just, you know, starting to get deeper. She's starting to get real, real specific about things. You're one of those disciples. Jesus' the disciples, you're with him. No, you must be mistaken. I don't know him. It's not me. Finally, Peter's having a conversation with some folks. And the Bible records that Peter starts to talk. And his own talking, the way he's talking, starts to reveal... That he's not one of the people over here. <laughs> he's not blending in well. He's starting to stick out. Like, what kind of stuff are you talking about? His mouth is betraying him. There's been a change. He can't go back now. So people are starting to recognize something's a little different about you. I know what it is. You was hanging with Jesus. Peter gets upset. Curses. <laughs> Says a bunch of ungodly stuff. I don't know if that was his way of still trying to blend in. <laughs> he did not want to identify with Jesus. And in John 21, 15, 17 through 17 says this. Real quickly. John 21, 15 through 17. And remember, I will never forsake you. Lord, I will never abandon you. I will. Okay, remember, that's, that's a setup. John 21, 15 to 17. After breakfast, Jesus asks Simon Peter. Interesting. He says, Simon. Notice the name difference there. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? That verse right there is key. Do you love me more than these? Now, some people think it was because, you know, Peter was a fisherman. And the story goes that they were on a boat and they weren't catching any fish. 
Jesus says, cast your net on the right side. And they pulled up 153 fish, fish and, and, and they knew. Even though they said that Jesus was dead, this has to be the Messiah. This has to be Jesus. Okay? They knew it was Jesus. All right? So here's the thing. Some people think that you love me more than these. That means do you love me more than your fishing boat, your career, right? Do you, are you able to put down the fact that you were a rapper and now you work for Jesus? Whatever. Okay? That's not what's being said here. Okay? It's one interpretation, but that, I believe that interpretation is wrong. Then Jesus says in verse 16, I mean, no, no, excuse me. Yes, Lord, Peter replies, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says, then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three denials, three questions. (laughs) Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you, right? And Jesus says, and take care of my sheep. Third time, verse 17. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But it's really the first question that sets up the whole context of these questions. Do you love me more than these? What is he saying? Do you love me, Peter? Huh? More than these. Peter, are you still, in your opinion, the most incredible disciple? Do you love me more than the rest of these disciples, Peter? Interesting, huh? Right? Jesus is no joke. That's like saying to us, do you, Jamie, Tyretha, Brother Rick, Brother Dave, do you still think you're the best Christian in this church? (laughs) Come to think about it, Pastor Jamie, yes, I do. Uh, you, know, I, you know, hey, I'm sorry. I just, I've seen the competition. <laughs> huh? Here's the thing. The test revealed that Peter wasn't as strong in his faith as he claimed to be. Peter's biggest problem was he was too busy sizing up everybody else in the church. He could not see his own heart. And I told you, the Lord, he's the one that tries the heart. He's the one, nothing is hidden from him. He can see the heart. So when you're too busy looking at everybody else's standard and you're you're exalting yourself, the test will show you whether or not you're, come on, whether or not you're holding on to God alone or something else, it'll show you where you really are. Oh, hear me, saints. In other words, Peter, don't boast about how amazing of a Christian you are. Don't boast about how great your church is or how faithful you are. Just do what I told you to do and that'll be good enough. Just identify with me and do what I told you. That's enough obedience. Just go ahead and feed my sheep. That's all I ask you to do. I didn't tell you to compare yourself to somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? Huh? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Your obedience is enough proof that you love me and you don't need to compare yourself to any other Christians. The test will prove whether or not you're genuine or you're not. The test itself will prove whether or not you're strong in the faith 
or you're weak in the faith. The test will show you really, really where you are. This test proved that Peter was more concerned about, look, protecting himself and his own interest than he was with standing up and identifying with the Lord Jesus. He soon found out what he was really holding on to. And it was not God alone. But look at Jesus' response to Peter's failure. And we'll end here. Every time we profess to love God more than we really do. And the test comes and we fail over and over and over and over again. Do you recognize that God is still standing there waiting for us to return to him? Huh? Saying to us, get back in line. Just do what I asked you to do. Just obey Now you see yourself as I see you. Now you know where you are. Now you know that your identity has been wrapped up in other things and not me. Now you recognize that your prayer list is bigger than God. Now you recognize that even after I've given you what you've asked for, the blessing has to be timed in a certain way to where you understand that you need to let go of those things and trust in God alone. Because you understand that those things will fail you. I'll allow those things to happen. I'll give you some of those things just so you can understand that even those things that you've asked for that I allow to happen in your life, that's definitely my will, that I'm still superior to those things, that you should hold on to me because those things will be allowed to fail you. Those things will disappoint you. Those people will hurt you. Those people that you're counting on will hurt you. Those institutions will fail you. Huh? Who are you? without those things. If God doesn't give you any of those things, do you know who you are in Christ? If God allows you to have those things and he still takes them away, do you know who you are in Christ? Hmm? That's the question. That's where we are today. The thing is, is Jesus... didn't take Peter's weakness personally. No. He did what he always does. He just gives us another chance. Amen? He gives us another chance. 1 Peter 5 and 10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. Jesus kept calling Peter Simon. Did you notice that? He wasn't calling him Peter. (laughs) Even after he said, your name is Peter, Petros. You know, and upon this rock, I will build my church. No, no, no. Jesus went all the way back to the beginning. Simon. Simon. What's, What's happening here? It's a test that Simon failed. And as we go through and walk through our test, we make mistakes. But the test is used not to leave us there. The test is used to cause us to recognize our weaknesses, to pray about those weaknesses, to have some humility and ask God to help in these areas 
because we can't see ourselves. And then when the test exposes those things, we come to God and we say, you know what, Lord? I'm not as solid. I'm not as unwavering as I thought I was. Huh? I'm not as dependable as I thought I was. I'm not as faithful to you as I thought I was. Huh? And God uses that test to show us that one day after we suffered a while, after we've been through some things, we will be strong. We won't be flaky. Huh? We will look at these trials and we will be resilient. We will be strong in the faith that God has given us. It has taught us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and not our own, not our ego, and not comparing ourselves to other people. Huh? He is the one that builds in us the ability to be strong. The ability to pass the test. He is the one that builds in us the desire to hold on to him and nothing else. Are you hearing me? So Abraham, he's able to sacrifice his son. He's ready to do it. Why? Because he made some mistakes, didn't he? Waiting on God and waiting on God. Some time had passed. Huh? During the time when he took this final test. Huh? When he heard about the promises of God, he actually had a couple, he had a baby mama and a couple other situations happening. He's failed over and over and over again. God walked him through all of that stuff to the point to where when God matures you, he brings you to a place when he says you need to do something, you'll do it. Holding on to God and nothing else. Are you hearing me? So that's what God is doing in all of us. He's bringing every believer to that process. He's bringing every believer to the understanding that if we have God, we have everything. And even if he tests us with the thing that we think is so important, over time, he can mature us to the place where if he says, I need you to let that go and trust me for what's coming. Can't see it. And see, that's why praise is so important. That's why praise is so important because what happens is when you're starting to go down and as my dad said, you descend into greatness, huh? When that upward curve comes, coming into this part right here, when you're going down, that's when you need to praise the Lord. That's when you say, Lord, yet though you slay me, yet will I trust you. I know that my God is going to deliver me. I know he's going to bring me out. I'm going to say yes to you right now. I'm going to praise you like I just got out of this situation. I'm going to praise you like this thing is old, even though it's brand new to me. I'm going to hold on to Jesus no matter what. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good, but it's going to mature me. And I don't know why you're allowing this because I can't see my own heart. But you're working on me, and you're going to bring me to a place where I say, yes, Lord. And I'm thankful for what I went through. And I'm glad you brought me through this situation. And I would have never ordered it, but you know better than me. You know better than me. So we go through it, holding on to God alone. I'm done. I'm done. That's a hard word. But that's where we're headed, saints. And I personally believe that nobody that is worth their salt and faith bypassed that test. You can't. There's some things we've asked God for. He's allowing us to have them. And he's going to test us with it. Why? Because he must be first. He must be first. He 
must be above. That's right, above everything and everyone. Amen? Let's stand.